Looking to send your characters to a place most regular folk won't go? Well, we're going to delve into dangerous destinations today. A place to terrorize your characters and your players. Hello and welcome, heroes, to episode 296 of the Crit Academy podcast. I am your host, Justin. I'm your host, Ian. I'm your co-host, Brandon. <laughs> we hope to inspire you with creative content for you to bring with you on your next D&D adventure. I am really excited for this book, you guys. Um, what is your, your, your first impressions uh, right out the gate for those of you that actually looked at it? Tables, the book. <laughs> Simple and accurate. <laughs> but it's a great tables. 450 pages of them. So I'm really excited to talk a little bit about it. Um, there's some really great stuff. The book is by Nord Games. If you're not checking out their content, what the hell? <laughs> Nord Games makes some amazing books. We have talked about stuff from their... Uh, settlers book that they previously made this is kind of a a sequel to it and um this book is broken down into what four main categories five five um to help dungeon masters and game masters to flesh out their world and what's really interesting is it's more like a collection of suggestions that are designed to provoke thought right yep. And it does it in such a way. And in fact, the book actually talks about if you find, if you roll on your tables and you get things that are contradictions, don't re-roll. Instead, try to find a way to explain why it is that way. It's kind of a creative challenge for the game masters. You definitely have quite a few options to pull from. And I'll, yeah. And Obviously, you can use this for not just D&D very easily, but oh, yeah. really any fancy RPG. Shoot, probably even some not fancy in some yeah, cases. It's very, mm -hmm. it's very system agnostic in a lot of different ways, and I think that makes it a valuable tool, even for writers. If you're looking to write your own story and build your own world, this really gives you everything you need to, to get going. So uh, the very first thing it starts off is the prelude. And the prelude contains uh, only four tables. It's actually relatively small, um, but it basically gives you some general ideas to let your brain marinate in, um, which can really uh, uh, help with the concept of building your dangerous destinations. Um, and, and so we're going to talk about some of those uh, details uh, right now. So one of the first tables that it really does uh, talk about is uh, the theme, right? The theme of the adventure. Uh, Brandon, what are some of the what are a couple of the themes that really jumped out at you um, to make that um, could spur those insightful and creative D and D juices? D and D juices. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's really on an analogy today, isn't he? <laughs> uh, every day. All of them, and really, uh, the first one, love. Yep. Love! That's not something you see Give very... me some energy. Why love? It's not a common thing you find in DMV. Okay, so how would you put love as the core theme of your story? Hmm. 
I can think of a really great example right off the bat. Well, go ahead then. Mm. Romeo and Juliet, right? <laughs> I ha- don't haven't wa- read through that since I was in like middle school. But when I was in, when I went through it, isn't the whole story that they're from two different kingdoms, but they love each other, yeah, and the kingdoms are at war? Rival gangs. Yeah, it could be rival gangs, right? Who have two love interests that are like the children of the 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 groups or something like that, which I think <laughs> is really good. Uh, we got a couple uh, questions that we'll uh, touch on. Silver Wolf's thinking the exact same thing, of course. Great minds think like me. Not the new one. <laughs> the, the one with Leo. You'll get cancer if you watch that. Oh. Anyways, so uh, that's a pretty good one. What's another example of uh, love that we can fit into our, our theme for our our adventure? Comic Thanos. Who? The comic book version of Thanos. Okay, do you want to expand to our lovely audience that probably has no idea what you're talking about? I mean, I do, because I love it. Well, love it the, to death. Yeah. Well, I, well, in the comic books, he's actually in love of death, which is why he destroyed half of the known oh, universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, to attract her attention. <laughs> that's a great. That's a great story. <laughs> yeah. Thing of a, uh, what's his name? Batman adversary, um, Freeze. Mister Freeze. Yes, that's yeah. another great example. Yeah. Why don't you elaborate to the audience? Give uh, it some attitude. Give it some attitude. Yeah. Uh, fucking Freeze. Check this out. <laughs> fucking Freeze. Uh, he's not necessarily a bad guy, but he's got his wife in a stasis, and she has a disease that's not curable, and he's keeping her that way. In order to find a cure for her, and I can't remember why he's stealing. Not because he can't not pay stealing. for it. Not stealing, but why he is freeze. Why he's got the element of being uh, cold. Uh, an accident during uh, the yep. the cryostasis of his wife, wasn't it? Something like that. It depends on which. Yeah. Anyways, so that, those are some really great examples where love is the core theme, and it doesn't have to be a love of in the of the characters, but somebody outside of the 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 story, right? Yep. So uh, that's just one of them. Um, but you can already see how the juices were flowing and how we had some creative ideas that we can pull from, right? What about uh, uh, the next table there, uh, Ian, for, uh, the pre- for the prelude? We have the previous presence. Uh, is there something on there that uh, if you just pick one randomly that sounds good? Playfulness or, re- or recklessness. Something Ooh, different. What is that? All right. Disregard and abandon. Enjoyment on acting in such a way that it disregards consequences. <laughs> Is that a theme or is that? Yeah. Okay. So you did pick another theme. All right. Yeah. That's a oh, good yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, what kind of comes to mind there? Once again, using the, the whole Thanos thing as an example, because we did kind of wipe out half the um, universe. That definitely had a, a huge effect. <laughs> and I think that that's part of it. So I'm, I, we're st- I'm stuck on the Batman thing now because, you know, Freeze is kind of my jams. I don't care what anybody says about Batman and Robin. I loved Arnold Schwarzenegger's Freeze. Chill. But anyways, so what's cool about the playfulness or the recklessness, um, Poison Ivy is a lot like this with the recklessness, right? She yeah. wants to save the plants of nature, and she doesn't care what else dies in the process. Yep. That's very reckless, right? And I think that that's a, something we can jump off of quite a bit um, when it comes to a theme of the story. What came to mind for me, too, although I didn't even watch the series, there's like a series called uh Wakfu, which is like a, basically a french fantasy animated series yes it's really well yeah. but the entire thing premise there is like if i recall correctly the villain's like main motivation is he's caused a lot of destruction mm-hmm. but his motivation was his family was killed and he's trying to basically gain power so he can travel back in time and save them. save him and he doesn't care about the consequences of what he do what, he, what he's doing in the present because the way he's it once he goes back in time it'll all will change and therefore it doesn't matter anyway and i think stories like that are awesome because people can relate yeah, we all have somebody that we would do anything for. Yep, 
And so it's not uncommon that we wouldn't be reckless in the in the in the process. So all right. So moving on to the prelude. Uh we also have previous presence. Yep. So this uh alludes to filling the, the 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 world or the area, the dangerous destination with something that has been there before the current events. And that's great because that gives us a very powerful history check for our player characters that love that lore and knowledge, right? Yep. So the first, one of the ones I want to talk about, I mean, there's lots of good stuff. Oh, he's rolling a die. Did you get a seven? Seven. Training grounds. Okay. Yep. So in the past, it was used for training grounds, which I think is cool. What kind of training grounds are there besides just soldiers? And it says a, cer a certain discipline, so it could be anything. Okay, so monks is a really good one. Yep. So perhaps the um, story we're developing is based around love, and uh, in the past, two lovers from this monastery broke their vow of celibacy, and it has tainted the land with their love. Wow. That's... <laughs> I was like, you did not think that one through. <laughs> Do I ever? Um, no. <laughs> but I think it's really good. So this gives us, now we've got a good theme, we've got a good previous presence, and that builds on, once again, the lore aspect of D&D &D or whatever RPG you're playing, right? Which I think is really, really good. Um, and uh, in this case, we have, it could be a monk training ground. Maybe you've got a monk in your party, and maybe they can learn a new technique, or maybe they haven't picked up their, uh, their third class uh, archetype yet. In D and D, in this place, they might find a scroll with a powerful technique that teaches them the way of the yep. um, sun monk. What is the sun monk? Sun soul. Sun soul. So there, there's ways to easily we can leverage it. How would you guys leverage the training ground in in your story as a previous presence? Ooh, assassins, thieves. <laughs> Ooh, that's really good. I like that. Yep. Like maybe. Ooh. Maybe inside the, the monster itself is a vault, but you can only open the vault once you learn the, the secrets of the training that the monks would have to undergo. Ooh, that's really good. <laughs> Brandon, you got anything? I was thinking, like, there's just a, a small library somewhere of spells that you've not learned yet, and, like, there's books okay. you can read from, but I like Ian's idea better. <laughs> <laughs> very cool, very cool. So, now that we've gotten through the, 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 the um... The previous presence, and there's a couple different ones on here, like dumping ground and resource abundance, magical passages, which I think is great. What did you get for our dangerous destination type? Uh, a settlement. A settlement. So a settlement is pretty uh, simple, right? A place constructed with, you know, uh, the intent and purpose as a place for a community to live. So this sets out the idea that the area was a a residence at one uh is a residence now but it used to be what training grounds it used to be a training grounds so how does the training ground history impact the development of the settlement settlement yep. there's no st stairs in this monastery so you have to know parkour to get to the next floor <laughs> well, <laughs> parkour, parkour. <laughs> well i think that that's really cool i don't know that commoners would do that but i can see a groups of lifts and stuff because the monks did do that right yep they didn't have stairs they had to mario jump off the side and climb up right or mega man or whatever platformer i mean it's an option so yeah no and i think it's a great option you know what and... this makes me think of what we've come so far is uh the jade palace from kung fu panda <laughs> it's a training grounds it's where the uh the the five warriors live mm -hmm. and then yeah. there was the settlement the city that was built around it okay. oh that's cool. and everything's based on the kung fu warriors that's awesome yeah. And think oh, about God. how difficult that place will be to invade. <laughs> right. 
kind of reminds me of the uh, the 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 Air Monk Air Nomad Temple in Avatar: Last Airbender, where yep. it's on the side of a sheer cliff, and you can only get there either by really really long ropes or gliding, basically, or, yep. or bending air, right? Um, so that gives us some pretty good stuff. So now we really want to touch on what does the book have to offer in the the next sections here. So we only touched on what the prelude, right? Yes. Yep. So in the next section, we have uh, the destinations. Um, so in the destinations, they give you a, a nice collection of unique locations, right? And some of them are pretty common, right? A religious site, a hideout, an outpost. But it's what they do with it once they are um, – you get to that section, right? They go into great detail and even give you everything you need to make that area specifically unique. So instead of it just being uh, – which one do we want to talk about here? Do you want to roll a die or – All right. Let me just uh, give a quick example. Like the first entry in here is Burial Ground, right? Okay. That's a good one. And right off the bat, you basically have two options, Crypt or Graveyard. But then you have Location, which would be Settlement, Outskirts. Edge nearby, day's journey remote, which can also go into okay, what for Crips anyway, what kind of structure is it? Natural tunnels, reinforce, organize, crude, engineer tunnels. And then how and, and each of these has like yeah. three descriptions that you can read into. Why oh, don't yeah. we delve into one of those yeah, specifically? Burial uh, grounds, the specific little yep. snippet is from page twelve to nineteen contains nineteen tables just for it. Yeah. Just for the burial grounds. Yeah, yes. it, it also contains stuff like the size, condition, interment method concentration of dead that's interesting because i don't really think about that i always just think they're in boxes like coffins right yep (laughs) i've never thought of using like urns or uh what are what are some of the other ones that they did for internment here cremation yep so how do they how is it represented is how is how is the cremation done is it just by a general fire or maybe they worship, you know, flame elementals or something like that and they're not their cremation process is just feeding an elemental drop them in acid that's terrifying. <laughs> I know. Both of those are good. I'm thinking uh, Mortal Kombat now with the, the acid. <laughs> Time for your death. Be cremated. Okay. I don't think that's what that is. <laughs> a mass burial ground. Okay. Ooh. That, they, that throws up some red flags. Get, ooh. They dig a hole, drop a body in there, then plant a tree on top of it. And then it's a forest. <laughs> a forest that's been raised by dead people? No, a forest where all the trees are... Bi- it's a cemetery, but the uh, <gasps> stones are trees. Oh, that's really cool. I've actually saw that they're really doing that. You can make your body a the life of a tree. Yep. And it you grow into a tree. Imagine that haunted awesome. forest. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's a whole colony of people who have themselves buried asses up when they die, so the rest of the world can kiss it. <laughs> <laughs> Plus ten cool points, Andrew. I like that. Uh, yeah. uh, Joey actually mentioned uh, a physical black market and illegal items for the previous settlement. I think that's a yep. good idea. We don't see enough of right. So what are some other ones? Obviously, we can't go. Uh, we're not going to talk about all the different. Uh, no. Uh, things in this section but it is worth noting that there's so many options for each and every one um you've got pages and pages of even including how old is it right you roll on this table is it ancient or old or is it new you know something that's been built in the last 50 years because that's going to impact the way it's designed and the way that it's used in your stories and campaigns which i think is uh something that we we really need to we don't focus on enough and as brandon said this is basically just seven pages of just burial grounds of, <laughs> alone. And destinations yeah. consist of 12 destinations from pages 10 to 78. Yeah. yeah and that's the different much. details of them. What are some of the uh, examples in the beginning? I know there's uh, 
uh, ritual sites, right, which is an outpost. So there's a lot of different uh, things that they go into. So I'm looking here at the, uh, the, the next one, which is just a camp. Now, that to me is interesting because I would have never thought a camp as a sort of dangerous destination. Would you? Yeah. It is if an enemy work. camp. <laughs> a what? It is if it's an enemy camp. <laughs> okay. God damn it, you guys. You guys are ruining my fun here. Uh, so, you make um, it so easy sometimes. <laughs> it makes it even worse when the party comes up on a camp where the, it's obvious a lot of people are supposed to be here and there's no one there. That would bring up some worry. <laughs> no ass up. <laughs> Ooh, when it comes to the a disease colony. Ooh, ever it's like a, a it's containment camp, right? All yeah. these people been infected by something, so they're like yep. locked inside. Is that yeah. one of the options? Quarantine. It is now. No. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you got the different sizes. Whether it's tight and you know, everyone has you know two people to a tent, and they're really tiny. We've all slept in those little tiny two people tent, right? Yep. Two person tent. Um, it also gives you conditions. What is it? Is it trashed? And it talks about, you know, the camp is in dis- disarray. There's debris everywhere scattered around, you know, and it shows the type of people that are going to be there. Right. Or setting up camp. Right. I think this is really great for um, filling out an area for characters to just wander into. Right. Um, they also give uh, uh, the organization. How well was it planned out? Right. And so. uh is it, you know, disgraceful? The camp appears to have been basically set up at random. That's going to make it uh, very difficult to find anything you might be looking for, right? Yep. As opposed to if it's well organized. What are, uh, let's let's move on to the uh, the next point, because uh, the, 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 the locations is, is good, but the environment is what's going to change. Now, Justin, aren't those the same thing? No, they're not. Um, and they go into quite a bit of detail. So, you know, you can have a headquarters in an aquatic environment. You can have one in a jungle, in a mountain, in a plains. And each one of these comes with a massive variety of unique options. Brandon, I see you're scrolling through. Do you want to pick one uh, out of the uh, uh, part two environments? I found mountain. Okay, tell us about how... We can make our mountain interesting. Now, remember, we still have a theme, right? Our theme is love, right? And then it's followed by, uh, what was our other? Uh, monastery. A monastery. Uh, yeah, training w- grounds. Training grounds. Settlement. And then we just picked our, uh, it's now a burial ground on a mountain. Give us some details about the mountain. This is really, it's, it's rolling out to be a good monk story. I like it. You got a one. It is a small mountain. What is a small mountain? Like a hill? I don't know. <laughs> 1,000 feet. Low 1, slope. Feet? The destination is located on a slope on the bottom third of the mountain. Ooh. Plus one to trail size roll. Plus one, <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? Plus one to trail size. So um, what's really cool is it goes beyond that to even get into the different terrains, right? So what kind of terrain are we looking at? We got a 20 on our die. Woohoo! A spire. There's a spire. Notable L. El- Notable environmental feature. Uh, a tall, narrow growth of tapering stone or ice. 1d10 by d10. Or 1d10 by 10 feet. Ooh. High. High. Yeah, that's how high it is. Gonna, is no, it? No okay, so now we've so got really a high. monastery that used to be here that was a training ground. 
that's now a burial ground with a massive spire protruding out from it and the terrain is earthen the area in the around the destination has soil and plant life grass trees etc and it's difficult to traverse so this is a great opportunity me i like magical stuff so i like having grab grass and something like this if you don't know what grab grass is it's out of our fantastic uh terrain book where when somebody gets knocked prone it literally grapples them it's horrible put them in with a creature that knocks them down and it's nightmare nightmare fuel so we've got a really good story going on here i think we're on the right uh right track if anybody in the audience uh andrew talks about a camp for you know a group of giants that would be very dangerous latrine (laughs) (laughs) man what is that is that a big pile of that's the latrine you got this big giant spire so what stands out about the spire to fit our theme here the mountain is a train ground. The higher you get, the greater your rank, and the fallen are buried along the way. Ooh. The and they're all the, ass up. The top, <laughs> top of the spire is the training grounds. Yep. That is cool. That's that's a Mortal Kombat shit. Hi. <laughs> Fatality. <laughs> um, and all the, all, the, 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 all the debris on the ground isn't debris. It's like fossilized corpses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what kind of training did you guys do up there? First rule of Pepo's training. Do not talk about Pepo's training. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's Where good stuff. Circle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there's lots of options with the environments. Of course, what good is a dangerous destination without what, you guys? Enemies. Yeah, dangers, right? So the part, uh, the next part uh, sends us into dangers. I'm in danger. <laughs> So, part three, dangers. We have quite the different variety of dangers. Um, it's worth noting that they, uh, Nord Games really does distinguish between intelligent monsters and humanoids in this, which I think is a, a distinction I don't usually make, and I see why they did it, and I think it was a good call. But also, is the impact based on a specific item? Are you going to give us a role to determine which one we're looking at here, B? Uh, let's see. I've, I've looked at uh, Around the Little Danger and Beasts. I Beasts? came up with a giant elk. A giant elk. Yes, so what is a giant whatever. elk doing on this mountain? Of course, it's a mountain. It's an elk. It's, could you have got anything more generic? What else? Well, do they let's got? look at number four on he, the he unintelligible parts. monsters. A uh, chimera. Ooh, ooh, I like that. You should have went with that one. That sounds a little better. We'll go chimera. <laughs> well, no, we don't want to do that because it tells us not to change it once you pick something. Well, then we'll do a giant elk and a chimera. No, just a giant elk. Ah, the chimera is made from the corpses of the fallen monks who failed their training. Oh my god, that's disturbing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Dude, you could totally give it all the, the, the ninjas from Mortal Kombat ability. Scorpions, get over here! Sub-Zero breathing ice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Reptile does the acid, goes invisible. Oh man, a chimera that goes invisible. That is some monk-level shit right there. creatures. A two. Well, hang on, we're still trying to, to get through the, the one. How are we going to make this elk fit into our love our theme? It's the gatekeeper. It's the gatekeeper? It's a beast. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's not magical. Isn't it like a glowing beast or something like that? It's like a god of woodland or something. I have it, no it's, idea. It's mentioned in a... It's a mug in love of the giant... Oh, uh, I like that. Dragonlance. What about it? Uh, there, There's a uh, a golden stag or something like that in the book. I can't remember what it was for. Uh, <laughs> Andrew says there's a significant overlap in the intelligence of the smartest beasts and the dumbest people. <laughs> it has been proven with bear-proof trash cans that bears can figure out how to open, and many people can't. 
derp. Is the monk in love with the giant? Oh, I like that. So we got some really good uh, uh, ideas here uh, for the elk. I think what I would do in this case to make the elk a bit of a uh, uh, danger, I would probably give him his own, uh, make him like a, a leader, like a, an alpha or uh, yep. a, like a, a leader of others, right? So there's swarms of, you know, elk in this burial ground, and now you've got something in the area that um, – what are some other d roles you can make on that table that are related to the, uh, giant, the monster? Giant elk, god of the mountain. You, I could totally see that. All right, chat. Oh, that's a really good one, <laughs> Wizard Cadius. I like that. Good to see you back. I feel like it's been a while. Yep. Maybe I just haven't noticed. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, no, no slam on you at all. <laughs> Um, another thing I think you could do is the, I would give the elk some sort of unique ability that fits the mountain theme. Um, maybe smashing a, a ram, uh, attack is pretty common, yeah. but maybe it uses it to like ram into boulders and create avalanches or something. Or knock people off cliffs. Andrew says a steel horn elk. His antlers are made of actual metal. Ooh, made of adamantine. So now should the characters actually beat it? You have a prized animal. Well, no, they can melt it down to make adamantine weapons, which are used to overcome some resistances. And it turns out that the monks did the same thing. They created their weapons by melting or using the horns of dead elk to make their weapons. Although smart monks would know that they would leave the elk alive because, at least with deer... Atlas fall off was, every was, winter. Think of that. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so the first thing you do when you talk Dungeons and Dragons, you immediately drop the real, re real, real world, world stuff because they're made of metal. <laughs> they're not just gonna fall off, right? My actual antlers fall off every year. They only grow them back. So yes, they, but they're not made of metal. But they leave the elk alive. They'll get more antlers every year. <laughs> Dude, does an elk eat, does a magical D and D that actually fits steal? in really well with uh, what's his name's uh, black market shit. Yeah. Oh, now yes. they're harvesting uh, elk. They're not killing every year. They drop their antlers and like, okay, let's make some weapons out of these and sell this shit. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Damn it, Ian. <laughs> I gotta give you credit for that when I was just gonna give you a hard time. <laughs> Whereas poachers are killing them off not knowing any better. Well, they must be like, you idiots! <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. So, uh, what uh, we didn't really talk about some of the, the beast uh, tables here. Um, so aside from the creature that you're getting, there's different states that the creature can enter. Are, um, when you roll from it, is it a confused creature? Is it displaced? Is it violent? Is it hungry? Is it, you know, uh, is it escaped from somewhere? Yeah. These are all different ways that you can build on to drive home the fact that this is a unique creature and a unique situation. Um, and what's interesting about this is, it even includes local mindset of a creature, right? So it says, what is the mindset of the locals in regards to this particular creature? People that aren't in that area but are around it and have seen it. So now you're building up story and lore and rumors that you can share with your player characters through the NPCs. Yep. Which Welcome I think to is the fabulous. town. May I give you a suggestion? Don't go into those woods. That's where the steel elk lives. You can find more help at the top of the mountain, but be careful. I'm sorry, a steel elk, you say? Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm not going to be responsible for the death of another party. <laughs> just leave. How many parties have actually gone seeking out this creature and have not returned? Too many. <laughs> <laughs> Too many to count. You see all those trees over there? 
That's a graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> Great throwback. I love it. Yep. Oh, that's a good one. All right. So that is uh, the the first three. There's another one that's really important, and that is the antagonists, right? So about halfway through the book, we get to actual antagonists, right? Which I think is uh, a pretty good details about uh, how detailed this book is with the different um, tables, right? What's different about the antagonist that jumps out at you guys? I noticed the we have an archetype, strengths, and weaknesses that also includes goals. That's all one table, right? Um, so when you roll on this D, is it a D12 here? Yeah, D12. Uh, for instance, uh, roll us a D12, Brandon, and we'll pick one to talk about. Derp. Yep, number three. three. So we got a magician. So this means their strength, obviously, is strategic. They're smart and experienced, which means they should be able to easily outwit your players (laughs) in most cases. What else do we got for weaknesses? Their strengths, optimistic, imaginative, pure. Weakness, seven again. There's Uh, hubris, anger, and ready to sacrifice. Naive. And their goal is to gain power and uh, influence the world. So now we've got a dangerous-ass elk that's guarding an area, and there is a wizard or a mage of sorts that's leveraging that to be kept in peace while he, you know, plans and schemes and stuff. So, Holy um, shit, wizard. What? What if he did that? There's thunderstorm with steel, elk, lightning possibility. What if he gave the elk like that ability to actually use call it? lightning? Use lightning or call lightning? Oh, that's awesome. That's some uh, Final Fantasy X shit. What is that? Uh, that Aeon's name, Ixion, that does the lightning horns and They're shit. Really big. I can't remember. <laughs> Mages killing elk by cooking their brains with heat metal. <laughs> <laughs> shit, that's brutal. All you see is just, like, their bodies like melting. They use uh, call lightning to strike themselves, and on the next turn, they, sh- they, they redirect use, they it. Ooh, yeah. chain lightning with <laughs> that Give me a deck shit. save. Why? Because. <laughs> 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 so, uh, obviously, um, there's some really good stuff in here. I think that um, the team over at Nord Games really just hit the ball out of the park. I feel like, would you agree this is probably a one-stop shop book for any dungeon master or game master of you can literally form entire campaign of this book at will yes I, and, I and buy this book. how much does this book run it's 60 dollars. it's a 60 dollars book for that big for Holy 450 shit. pages of awesome and they do have some pre-generated material in the back of the book too to be fair to oh be yeah fair. that was the the last section so um if you just need something on the fly instantly the pre-generated stuff is really awesome so they did the roles. They came up with the details and lore and really fleshed their <laughs> cool. little areas out. And they did a phenomenal job. Um, <laughs> I personally recommend everyone pick this up if you're a game master. If you're not a game master, get this for your game master because it'll just make your games better. Especially, I think, if you're a player that's big into lore and uh, yep. exploration because this really fills a lot of those um Hold that those two pillars, right? Yep. Do you guys have any other uh, closing comments? Yeah, there's a lot of pre-generated stuff in the back of the book. Yep. For your own campaign today. Mm. Roll your <laughs> own your own campaign today. Ooh. Roll with it. I think that that's awesome. So, if you want to pick up this book, um, please head on over to rebrand.ly/dangerousdestinations. Uh, pick it up. Tell them Crit Academy sent you. That earns us some cool points. 
pre-generated destinations, page 254 to 421. That's, That's a, lot. a lot of shit for $60. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm, I'm buying this book. Okay, you do that. I'll even tell them that you sent me. Yeah, you should. <laughs> if you're listening to this right now, pull over to the side of the road, because I'm sure you're listening in the car, or if you're washing dishes, dry your hand, pull out your phone, go to rebrand.ly slash dangerous destination, be like, bam! Yes, got it. Good that, that is what you heard. Oh, wait, did I hear the UTTs getting today? Yes, you did hear that right. If you don't know what our UTTs are, we'll tell you just shortly. But first... There's no cure for it. <laughs> There's no cure. Once we give uh, you a good fun. UTT, you're stuck with it forever. <laughs> I'm glad this joke never died. Mine still, mine still itches. <laughs> I, like your, I like your reaction to my first point of that. Like, you tell me this now after how many episodes? Right. Because <laughs> I never agreed to tell that for some reason. No, because my brain doesn't go to UTT being an STD, all right? <laughs> all right, so before we move on to our honor tips and tricks, uh, I want to take a moment to let you guys know our extraordinary player options. Uh, came out on our website. There's Woo! the dab. You know, uh, it's a compilation of not only the um, the character uh, subclasses from our extraordinary expeditions, but we tossed in some really good ones <laughs> on top of it. If you're looking to change the way you play with rogues, the Sawbones Healing Rogue that oh stitches God. and makes poultices to heal your allies is absolutely awesome they also have like a bloodletting ability that can just instantly kill stuff um a lot like uh power word kill the spell yep um and it's <laughs> limited and just as much but um i don't know it just seems pretty nice uh i highly recommend it if you wanted to play a hunter yep. class where you build traps and set them in advance and lure monsters in it's the huntsman is awesome so yep. and gold star andrew the first utt we gave him was harpies he has it for life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Once that stuff gets in your ears, too, it's really bad. Amazing, guys. Thanks. I miss UTTs, even if they itch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. They itch. All right. Uh, so, yeah. Consider checking out uh, our um, extraordinary player options. I promise you'll love it because we wrote it. Moving on. <laughs> you dislocate your shoulder while you're patting yourself on the back there. Uh, no, I'm too fat. I can't. It doesn't reach. <laughs> I can only pat myself on the back of the neck and make it red. And now, what you've all been waiting for. Our Unearth Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. For those of you that are listening for the first time, our Unearth Tips and Tricks are monsters player tips, dungeon master tips, magic items, everything you need to scratch that itch. Uh, <laughs> this went south really fast. All no. right. <laughs> so the first thing we're going to talk about today is the Bullywog Scion. That's right, you guys. Bullywogs that will psionically lick you. That's got worse. Do, do, Billy, do Bullywogs have long frog tongues? Anyways, the frog people with magic, basically. So you're going to want to start with the, the mage stat block. If you want all the details, head on over to our uh, website um, at Crit Academy and check out our blog. You can find all the details here. We're going to go through this pretty quickly. You're starting with the mage stat block. It's We're going to get rid of the yep. dagger and the spell list. We want to change all that. Of course, because it's a bullywog, this thing can breathe air and un underwater, right? Which gives it a huge advantage in combat. 
Um, and what I really think makes this really cool is we give it a little extra defense with the psionic defense, but I very much harnessed my inner Pokemon here oh, and shit. gave it disorienting bubble blast. So, um, plus 10 cool Pokemon points this way. Got to catch them all bitches. Not STDs though. <laughs> you don't want to catch them all. Uh. So the disoriented bubble blast basically is a ranged attack. That forces a it does psychic damage and forces a constitution save, you guys. That on a failure, you have to the character rolls on the short term madness tail <laughs> table. And if they fail by five or more, it's on the long term madness table instead. Oof. How mind, does that sound, you, you guys? It's a plus seven to hit, so Yeah. Yeah, it's it's gonna hit you. So what do you guys think about that right off the bat? Well, this creature became way more dangerous. <laughs> Well, yeah, because uh, if you don't know, those some of those def some of those those madness rolls are, are brutal. Um, so of course, because we're dealing with a scion, we have to do a little more than that, right? We have to give them catapult. We got to give them dissonant whispers. Let you hear those croaks in your <laughs> those croaks inside your head. Uh, we'll give it, you know, dimension door, mirror image, phantasmal force to make you see every terrible, itchy thing in your nightmares. You actually make me feel bad for casting phantasmal force. Damn it, Andrew. One time. <laughs> okay, poor. Poison in the water? Does it still poison them? Actually, we also gave them immunity to poison. Oh, I guess not. <laughs> um, and then we'll top it off. Of course, a scion has to have mass suggestion. What do you guys think about this? How uh, would you use this I in keep, your month in your game? I keep thinking of a frog dressed as Sailor Mercury using mercury bubbles. Mercury bubbles! <laughs> like totally, I can. Yeah, I don't know. What about you, Ian? This thing's dangerous. I can definitely see it in charge of like uh, as a leader of other bullywogs. That definitely uh, fits the theme. Um, the one thing that I think I would do with mass suggestion. Who says those uh, minions are there willingly? I like that. So now the players end up fighting these mind-controlled bullywogs and slaughter them just to find out it wasn't their fault. I'd love moral ambiguity. I like to make my player characters and their players feel you like can turn real that into a whole ass adventure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You have a, a green Bulwark Scion, right? Yes. Yes. And it's green, and you're fighting a green one with a bunch of brown ones that look like toads or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he cut off all the toads, and the green one's like, <laughs> and he runs away. <laughs> like, what the hell's that about? Turns out that he, like, used mass suggestion on an enemy, uh, a rival uh, tribe. It's like, let's go get these guys. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. He's like, ha ha. Psych oh, H. no. Or or <laughs> he goes through tribe to tribe and uses them to defend himself as the adventurers slice through innocence. Tribe after tribe after tribe. Ooh. Until every tribe hates the adventurers. Andrew, give it a subtle spell. Cast subtle capital on a rock or whatever behind the target you want to damage. The target has no way of knowing where, where they're being hit from. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Kaboom, yo. What is All subtle right. spell? It's a... It's a sorcerer ability. Well, it basically means you can cast it without a verbal component. Oh. So nobody hears it. So all you hear is... <laughs> <laughs> all right. That'll do it for our monster. Um, the Bullywog Scion. If you love monsters, you want more of them. We have hundreds of them. Become a patron. Get lore, backstory, all this fans fantastic stuff, including some awesome art over at patreon.com slash Academy. Pick up a tier that fits your wallet. And help support the show, because this shit costs money. <laughs> we are some pretty cheap hoes, though, so... Yeah, we're, you get us at a discount, we promise we won't give you a UTT. <laughs> I thought that was a selling point. 
Oh wait, yes. We'll make sure to, we'll give you all levels of UTT. You'll be scratching for hours. Okay. All right. So, um, our encounter is a little different today, you, you guys. Dish. It's a noble in distress. So, what this means is you toss this together when your characters are on an adventure. Uh, traveling through a bustling city, and they come across a commotion in the town center, right? There's always kind of something going on in these bi- these big cities. And a group of ruffians are surrounding a noble-looking person, somebody with a bit of presence, I guess you could <laughs> say, <pizzazz>. demanding... <laughs> Ruby Rod here! <laughs> Tell me, my man! <laughs> um... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> a group of ruffians have surrounded them and demanding payment for protection, right? This is their house. Um, so what, what, before I continue, what would you guys do as players? A noble! Re- he's being mugged! He will reward us if we protect him. Uh, honestly, pretty good. it sounds like a reverse mugging. It's like, oh, he's being mugged? Well, let's take care of them and then mug them ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, you guys suck. So... That's, that's kind that's of right, you know, the noble, you know, the noble's a wealthy, you know, merchant and pleads for help, blah blah blah. But here's the twist, you guys. The noble is not as innocent as they seem. Yep. The what noble is dick. actually working with the thieves dick. guild, oh my God. paying them to stage the protection rackets and extort money from other merchants. The noble now finds themselves in hot water with the guild, right? as they have failed to pay their full cut of the profits. The noble begs the party to help them and escape the city, offering a generous reward, should they be, you know. I wonder what the reward would be if you uh, turn them in. Money! Reward, yeah. Okay, so but way, the reward for turning him in won't be as much as it will be for helping him escape. Ah, uh, fuck. Because yep. crime pays way more than yep. honesty, I'm going to be honest. Yep. Not that I have any experience yep. with that in real life. Yep. I just watched a lot of TV growing up. I'm not helping you. I'll pay you with what? Money. Done! (laughs) That's a great way to test people's morals. It's like, you're going to get paid either way, but one's kind of evil, the other one's kind of good. Well, not necessarily evil, just indifferent, right? I don't care if you're extorting. That's not my money you're pulling out, but you're about to fill my pocket up, and I'm okay with that. Yep. Right? Look, man, I did the job. Cheap and easy. (laughs) And that's usually what it comes down to, right? Yep. Um, So I think that'll do it for our encounter. Um, and say how much they earn. Yeah. Hmm. They get five hundred gold pieces if they help the noble, and two fifty if they turn them in. Yeah, half as much. Yep. And that sound great. Yep. And now, our next UTT, our match item, the Blade of the Endless Sky. Oh. This is a pretty long entry. Uh, it, it, well, it, you can summarize it. What's the? Basically, it's a long sword that has a lot of like um, just made up like shimmering blue metal, and when wielded, you. Gain the ability to open portals to other dimensions and planes of existences. What the fuck? Yeah. And you basically have access to a few multiple spells. One being Dimension Door. Now, if you don't remember, you, you can basically teleport within 500 feet to somewhere else. You can cast Plane Shift. And last but not least, you can also cast Etherealness. All of these are awesome. And, and high level. Yeah. I mean, it is worth noting that you can only use the spells once. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's there's a balance there, kind of. But still, being able to plane shift once is strong. Yeah. Ethereal-ness gives you all sorts of advantages on in spying and stuff. Yep. Um, there is worth noting, though, that there's a, a, a additional <laughs> uh, point to this. 
that you have to uh, consider when using it. Um, opening these portals comes with a risk, doesn't it, Ian? It's Cthulhu! Yep. The user must succeed on a wisdom saving throw every time they use the blade's portal abilities. Yep. And the difficulty increases every time. Right. Yep. That sucks. If the cause... user ever fails the saving throw, the portal they've created becomes unstable, collapses, and potentially causes harm to the user and anybody else nearby. So, if anybody reads the uh, uh, shit, the Wheel of Time series, yep. Um, they open portals between, and they actually have one go unstable, and it just demolishes an entire army. Yep. That's kind of what's going on here. I like the eh, on your face when you said that. I'm just I'm just saying. So despite the dangers, it's a, a heavily wanted weapon, though, yeah. right? And it turns well. It's also worth noting that one character regaining their memories and realized how they could weaponize those portals by opening them in the middle of armies because the edge was so thin it just cut through them literally. Boom! <laughs> Quite literally. And this guy's shift can be dangerous for yeah other people. Yeah, you can ask him. They all ended up on a different, the wrong place. Do you remember twice? With plane shift, you could send someone to a different plane, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But it also stipulates in the spell that once they get there, they have to find their own way back. They don't just pop back to where they go. Yeah. <gasps> Let me tell you something really quick. Uh, I know it's we're running out of time, but you got to hear. It. So for our uh, uh, for our our big patron game, right? Uh, a huge shout out to our to our buddy Garwin, um, and to our editor who's in this group. Uh, uh, thank you, Ellie. You guys are awesome. So they were in the Fey Wild. Yep. And I have been wanting to use the banishment spell again since our plane shifting game. <laughs> but it didn't occur to me that they were in the Fey Wild. So when I cast banishment on one of the players, he popped back in the material plane in the middle of the big boss fight. And I just like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> I do want to point out that with the plane shifting campaign, when I brought back in my old character, I was like, oh. He knows banishment. I should probably not use this because it would break the campaign. <laughs> yeah. Now, it, what was funny, though, is uh, the character is a barbarian. He's ragey, ragey, and he smashes things. Yep. He's in the middle of fighting. So we come out of the outhouse that it, the portal dro- the, the a spell dropped him in, and he started killing the innocent villagers. So he was <laughs> surrounded by soldiers in the middle of combat. It was great. It was it was awesome. Anyways, so yeah, that'll, uh, that'll do it for our awesome uh, uh, sword today, the Blade of Endless Sky. Actually, yeah. Uh... That is a question I've had one of my players ask before. What's and that? Is, is there a portal spell that you can open and you close at will? Or does it close once you're done using it? Because Andrew says, could you push an enemy through a portal, close it when they're halfway through, and cut them in half? I think all those spells specifically say willing creatures. Yeah. I don't think you can force anybody. But I could be mistaken. I don't think I am. But that's usually how it is when you think you're right. But I believe that everything says willing. Because if you could just teleport people unwillingly, you could just send them up in the sky and watch them fall to their death. I you, mean, you, well, you probably could in earlier uh, editions. <laughs> plane shift requires a wisdom save, I think it is, for an unwilling creature. Well, there's a chance then. So. But it, it's still for the spell and, to take and then effect. The but yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I actually don't know the answer to that. I would say depending on what the player is trying to do, if they're trying to use a high-level spell slot to finish off somebody and they have access to, say, Fireball and it would do enough damage, I would totally be like, yeah, why not? Yep. You know what I mean? Because if they're going to blow them up anyway, does it really matter if they open a portal up at their waist and... Yep. I mean, I don't think so. All right. Uh, Moving on to our Dungeon Master tip. Uh, Create a Pantheon and Religions. Why is this important, you guys? 
Well, paladins, clerics. <laughs> one. <laughs> I meant like create your own fear worlds, but yep. yeah, okay. Basically, it helps set up a culture and belief system that you can play off of. Absolutely, especially as the players um, delve in, visit different areas, right in the world, um, because when they explore, those cultures and beliefs should be changing. Yep. Place to place that they go, and that can make the world feel unique and fun. But also, it creates interesting ways to expand the game. Now, I'm not saying you need to create an entire book of these. You can do each deity with one line. One line. Yep. Let's use Greek gods. Yep. Ares, the god of war. Everyone, once you hear that, knows exactly what kind of people are going to follow him. What type of deity that character is, don't yep. you? Athena's better. <laughs> I think she got tacked on as the goddess of war later because there's there because that's another thing because <laughs> uh, originally she was like the goddess of wisdom uh, in battle strategy she, or something. She's both. <laughs> Whatever. Anyways, <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is with a single description, yep. you can know the type of people that follow and can shape your entire regions of your world. Yep. Aphrodite, right? The goddess of love. Guess what the people that are following her like to do? Bards. <laughs> they like to they like to get UTTs. <laughs> um so what do you guys think about this cuz I know it seems like it's just this really hard bad thing to do. Yep. And it doesn't even have to be an entire pantheon. You could do like two duality, right? Well, something else too is like like the reason why by default in lots of lore in D&D over the years anyway, it is like a Orcs tend to be evil because the god who created them made them that way by design. <laughs> okay, so. I like that. Also, your fire dwarves suck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll... oh, that could bring up a really good adventure. What's that? And that is, uh, you got a bunch of people. They're following this new religion, right? And there's their god is still living, and it's just some dude who's been jerking their chain the whole time. I watched a movie long ago that was something like that. Where the guy wasn't a god, he just lived a long time, he was immortal, someone thought he was a god, and he was just, he wasn't particularly nice, um, he just was having fun. Dracula? It wasn't Dracula, I don't remember what it was. Got it for a mankind in War- Warhammer? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, so, what's really cool about it is, uh, <laughs> is it really just helps you f- fill in... Uh, conflict and societal structures yep. within your world. And you don't got to have them all built at once, just every time you move to a new area. So, all right, that'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip. Build a Pantheon. Our player tip of the podcast is don't, don't be, be a, a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by using bottle cap rings. Tracking conditions in D&D can be kind of tough, especially yep. when they start to stack on top of each other. Oh, yeah. Um, and... It can be easy to forget which ones you have. Mm-hmm. Do you guys drink soda? No. From time to time. But everyone else in my house does, so I have a whole bin full of pop bottles. Yeah, so there's little rings around the pop bottle lid. You pull it off. They come in a multitude of colors depending on what drinks you use. Those are perfect to fit on a mini and use to track conditions. Uh, I think in 4th edition we used to use the red for bloodied, right? Yeah, we did. we've been doing that for a long time. Yeah, so... Um, so save save your wallet. You don't have to buy fifty dollar rings. Fancy like, rings. Oh, you're bloodied, and it says bloody. Just get a little red Mountain Dew called red. 
<laughs> dying. Just dying. There. Um, or, you know, charmed effects, frightened, grappled, all those things. More importantly, it helps you remember those effects that we all forget. Yep. And it happens all the time. Yeah. I forget. Aren't the you things. concentrating on a spell? I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> if you were concentrating a little better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like milk jug rings also work great. But, but any any good, ring, I guess, right? Or rubber any, bands. They can have yeah. many colors. Rubber bands are good. You know the problem with rubber bands? Is everyone starts flinging them around the room because I've used those before. <laughs> and nobody can help but pull them and pop them around everywhere. So you know what you end up doing when everyone leaves? Clean up all the damn rubber bands. And I've actually, and I've definitely seen people make, make these rings too. They're actually labeled. And actually, I've also seen like a few other things too where you can like three D print them. And I've also seen. I was gonna say, if you have a three D printer, it probably doesn't matter, does it? Yeah, I've also seen stands too that you can place money uh, on. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, all right. Um. So, uh, any other uh, tips in this to uh, emphasize the greatness? Since uh, apparently we might have talked about it already. <laughs> Because the fact that Alicia knew, I was just like, I couldn't find it. I was like, whatever. Yep. It's because we probably had it under a different title. And Joseph says, tea late kindles were great for concentration. <laughs> yes, I know, because I definitely have covered that on the show. I've got a nice little designed one that yep. I painted to look like a stone, and I put some glue and some red on it, and it looks like yeah, a little his, torch. His is an actual, like, battery-operated one. Yeah. yeah. Tea light. Uh, they're safer than actual tea lights. Well, and, well that was fun. But many. Not as fun. <laughs> they can't burn the place down. All right. <laughs> I think that... They'll That'll do it for our, our player, player tip, tip of the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Don't be a dick. And you can avoid dickitude <laughs> by using so, pop bottle and drink bottle cap rings rings for tracking conditions. and Pop bottle tamper seals. There you go. <laughs> Beer yes. bottle caps for enemy markers. Why not the Guinness? The Heineken. The Heineken. <laughs> so, so, so it's the Budweiser cap. Giant frogs. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny i like that he, he, he got the reference oh shit all right so Bug. uh we need to calm down for a second um we, we need to, we need to take a moment to acknowledge that one of our longtime patrons uh drake and dragon uh, matthew trimper actually passed away uh recently and i want to let him and his or let his family know that our prayers are with them and all of his friends, and it's never easy when you lose somebody. No. Um, but fortunately for us, we can keep him alive in our hearts. Um, he was a really cool guy. Chatted with him a little bit on TikTok. So um, may you uh, roll lots of nat 20s wherever you're at, buddy. Thank you for everyone for all your support. Um, people like Drake and Dragon are the reason we continue to do this. Um, so um, our prayers are with him, and thank you guys. All right. Now let's try to uh, raise the energy back up because we are just a few weeks away from episode three on fucking. How the fuck did that happen? Really? What is your profession? What is your profession? (laughs) Anyway. Sorry. So we are looking back (laughs) on some of our favorite moments uh, on the show. And we would also like to hear from you about your favorite moments and topics on our show. Mm -hmm. You can email us at critacademy at gmail.com or 
contact us on social media. Uh, put the subject, you know, episode 300, you know, memories or something like that. So it's easy to identify. Um, we want to hear from you guys because we have all of our favorite moments. But what are yours? You know, um, it's funny. I was talking to Austin. Yeah, at a party the other day, and we're talking about I was talking about episode three hundred. Like, yeah. yeah, we're bringing up a we're talking about our favorite mom- moments. And it's like, oh, how's that working out? Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, there's a a lot, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. So that'll do it for our show today, you guys. If you enjoy the show and you'd like to support us, please visit CritAcademy.com. Pick up our extraordinary uh, player options that we just released, or some of our other content. Visit our DMs Guild content. Check that out. Um, and subscribe. Uh, hit Aww. the notification in, in the bell and the share. Share this episode as soon as it's done. Right now. Go go out and tell everyone you love and all your friends. I listen to these guys because I'm cool and you should be too. Join the party. Mm. Andrew says, in honor of your fallen patron, an episode on adventures of Galdar might be cool. It's a subreddit for characters of passed away people so they can be used as NPCs in other games. We covered that book. It's nice. We covered that book. Did we? That, we again, did. 300 Gal- episodes. Gal- I don't know. Galder's Gazetteer. Ugh. Yep, written by our friend Zipperon <laughs> Disney. A, it's a subreddit. I know, but it, Galder is the person that that book was written for. Yeah. And that's why there's a subreddit for it, I believe. Because um, that's actually like <laughs> that's a... Cool. I was a brother or relative or something. Anyways, I could be mistaken, but if I remember, it was based on him. Yep. All right, and his one of his characters, I think. Anyways, uh, that'll do it for our show tonight. I'm your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Brandon. Thanks for listening. Keep, Keep your blade sharp and spells prepared, heroes. heroes.